This is the audit room on Clubhouse. We meet live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. And we talk about audit stuff um, at, we across all different topics and categories. Today, we're talking EHS, which is um, it started to blow up even more as it is kind of turning into ESG. And I will let our expert, Julie, explain that <laughs> here in a little bit. And obviously, we have a lot of questions around that. But I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell, founder of Green Skies Analytics. We are the go-to place for all things audit analytics, whether that's uh, strategy or tool selection or um, uh, online hosted tools as well. Um, so if you have any questions around that, feel free to hit me up. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Hi, thanks, Trent. I am Europe's leading uh, audit communication consultant, and I work with global audit teams and individual audit executives on their communication skills, on their reporting process and their teams and how to become more efficient and how to get you know results communicated better to the business. And I'm super excited today about the topic because I don't know a lot about ESH or ESG. And I've even had friends come to me, Julie, and, and say, you know, I work in a small manufacturing company. We're going to have to start on this ESG topic. What do I do? And I've actually pointed them to audit literature because there seems to not be so much out there. So I'm very happy today to introduce uh, Julie Thompson. And maybe, Julie, you can tell us a bit about yourself. Yes, I'd be happy to. And thank you for having me here today. My name is Julie Thompson. I am the founder of the Auditing Alliance, which is a membership organization for EHS professionals, specifically auditors. But I would also say we cover related topics beyond EHS being environment, health, and safety. So that could be security, sustainability, product stewardship. Uh, there's a, as you can imagine, with environment, health, and safety, it overlaps into a lot of areas. So the Auditing Alliance was founded last year. We're at about a year and a half and growing. Uh, and we have, I, you can join the organization and then we have two pres at least two presentations every month that are virtual. And if you are a member, you can get professional CPD credit for various certifications. I am a CPA but I'm also a CPEA, which is a Certified Professional Environmental Auditor. So where can I go from there? <laughs> and so what was the, it's it's the Audi, Auditing Alliance. And if folks want to join, they can just search for Auditing Alliance. Is that right? Yes. And it's auditingalliance.org. And we do have one of those two presentations every month is a discussion group which normally is held on the third Tuesday of the month, which uh, we postponed it by a week this month. So it will be the, not today, but a week from today. That is held from 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. And it is, uh, we normally have some sort of topics, but we kind of let the conversation just take its natural course. So we always start out with something that was on the list, but we don't always finish our list. We often cover things that were never on the list for that particular month. Uh, but we've talked about, you know, besides directly related things with EHS, we've spent a lot of talking about changes in EHS auditing in the virtual world, uh, risk. We've spent quite a bit of time talking about risk. Next week, we will be talking about trends in OSHA, 
EPA with respect to primarily enforcement of what their hot topics are. So, uh, so that's kind of where we are uh, with respect to that. But anyone is welcome to join the discussion groups. Again, you do not have to, to be a member. And I would say probably 70% or more of what comes up in the discussion groups is applicable across all, any type of auditing. Yeah, I've... So, something that might be helpful i've uh listened in on one of your roundtables before and um i think they run what it ran about an hour and yeah. i i learned a lot i think it, during that one it was kind of this ehs and esg and conversation and obviously those are hot topics but um like you were saying even outside of those um i know i learned a lot from listening to those so those are those are pretty valuable Uh, For sure. We will add a a link in the show notes for anyone that's interested to join the auditing alliance. Um, And you can check out the the website and see everything that's offered there. Even if you're not, I would say, an EHS dedicated person, um, it's going to come up, especially ESG within your organization at some point. And so I I would highly recommend um, everybody at least checking that out. Julie, a question I had for you is a lot of times we talk about, obviously, an audit, it's all about risk. And I've started looking at audit as also like where the opportunities are. And so within EHS, when I think about like the risks seem pretty obvious, uh, well, to a degree anyway, in terms of someone loses a thumb or loses their life or, you know, something to that effect. But um, let's say we have pretty, pretty tight controls uh, around EHS. We don't really see that kind of stuff happening. What's the opportunity there? I, I think of lower insurance rates and things like that. Is that is that the case? Or is there other areas where there's opportunities within EHS? Uh, yes, to both of those. So you definitely in this day and time can work with your insurance carrier and they oftentimes will give you a look. Or I've talked to one within the last few months, which he said, well, actually what happens is we don't people don't like to hear it this way, but you avoid getting a higher rate. So they're starting to have an expectation that you have some sort of a baseline with uh, your particularly management systems around environment, health, safety, and so forth. Uh, some other places, though, would be like your reputational risk. You know, you think about the oil spill that just happened off of the coast of, of California. You know, we will all become very familiar with who the corporate parties were that were involved in that. And there will be some um, impacts to their reputation, but also in the form of of fines and penalties. So there's, you know, that's another area where there would be an opportunity is, you know, fine and penalty avoidance. And I don't like to put too much emphasis on that aspect because that kind of can set you on a path where you're looking at a bar that's been set pretty low. And what I have been saying, I'd say in the last few months in particular, and it's somewhat as a direct result of COVID. So people are being a lot more choosy about where they go to work. And part of that is, you know, do they have to go into the office all the time? Uh, Can they work from home part time? But now people young and old are looking at the organization that might be a potential employer and what are they doing about particularly the environment, climate change. But, you know, what about wellness of employees? Do they really care about how that ties into, you know, your work, uh, not only your, your daily work, but your performance and so forth? 
so I think there's some pretty big benefits out there to be not only looking at these areas, looking at doing the right thing and going beyond typically be, you know, the minimal amount, which would be meeting compliance. You definitely want to go beyond compliance and that will make you stand out and there will be all kinds of opportunities. I just want to jump in, you know, when you talk about wellness audits, wellness of the employees, I mean, how important is that today? I would think it would be much more at the forefront of everyone's minds now than it was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I never would have heard of somebody say wellness audit or wellness check of the employees. So is that uh, um, like a drop that we're hoping that we'll move into a, into a wave at some point that will take some time or are people jumping onto that relatively quickly now? I would say that they're jumping into the wellness programs, but we're not quite there on the audits yet. That is definitely lagging behind. But I also think with respect to wellness programs, in many instances, it has that that focus has been physical wellness. So we provide gym memberships or we have a gym on site and you know, you get rewards and the rewards are, you know, something to track your steps and things like that. Whereas more recently, and for a number of reasons, not just, you know, COVID, but you think of Simone Biles and other, you know, professional athletes that are now openly talking about mental struggles, emotional struggles. And I think companies are starting to look at that a little bit differently and more broadly than just, oh, well, they, we provide them insurance. And that means that if they do need some sort of, um, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist that they get a certain number of visits a year, that it is far greater than that. So I think that the the wellness audits, you know, I'm seeing a few organizations that are doing that, but I suspect that that will be on the increase uh, pretty rapidly. I think that's brilliant. I have one um, audit team that I work with and they actually have, I don't, I think it's a psychologist of some kind or someone who's, you know, well-versed in, in how, you know, employees emotional and mental well-being and they actually come in and speak with the team once a quarter um, as a as a group and then you know there's some, some smaller groups as well but I think that's a great movement and be interesting to see where companies go with that Trent yeah I, I just I know there's organizations one in particular that I can think of that it's part of your insurance plan but you get a free um, if you are depressed then you you basically get a free consultation. Uh, with someone. So I, I remember somebody telling me that and thought that was fantastic that there is some sort of movement um, towards that. I think the idea of a, a mental health, uh, I, I guess, audit uh, is a progressive thing moving forward. Like, I think it's great. I, I'm curious. We always talk about the skill sets to have within audit and are we the appropriate person to be doing, you know, usually it's on the technical side or a technical side. Is that what we, Julie, is that what almost we would recommend is bringing in probably someone from the outside to help with that? Is it a, is it a trained psychologist? Like, are we partnering with trained psychologists now? Is that... I would think that you would want to. I mean, I think that you could do some things without uh, a, a trained psychologist being on the team, but I don't think you're going to end up with necessarily the, the best results as far as making changes within an organization. And what I mean by that is I certainly think without a trained psychologist, you can look at you know, numbers uh, pretty easily about 
you know, what is offered in the insurance? What is offered outside of the insurance? Do we have employees that are uh, availing themselves of those services? But once you get into needing to talk to, you know, individual employees about do they think that these options have been effective for them? Do they feel comfortable taking advantage of them? Uh, you know, do they have some uneasiness about, you know, a stigma associated with it or, you know, other their, their peers finding out about it? I think when you start getting into those kinds of areas, you would probably be getting into an area which where you wouldn't want a specialist. And again, you've got HIPAA issues involved and things like that, that most of us auditors are not as aware of as we probably ought to be. Right. Yeah, I think there's always been a lot of talk here recently within the past couple of years about innovation within audit. And I think this is a very innovative approach and something to consider. Um, Just I don't think it's a surprise or shocking to say that everybody's mental health kind of took a hit over the past, you know, 16 or 18 months or for long it's been now. Um, And that that could be a a high risk area uh, for folks, especially I mean, if you think about employee satisfaction. I wonder if you could work this into the employee satisfaction survey to some degree to get some kind of feel for it. But people, you know, leaving um, for other organizations, I think if I could imagine if I was in that situation and there was, you know, someone came to speak to me, I go, okay, they care about me. I'm, I'm willing to stay around and see how this works out as opposed to I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. But um, I'm kind of going back to EHS, if there's not the the dedicated EHS person. So if you're not in manufacturing, but you're in, uh, let's say something with a lab, that's for some reason what I, what I think of when I think of safety is, you know, like lab safety and, and maybe EHS isn't there. Again, there's not the dedicated person. What's something that if we're doing just a, maybe a one-off EHS type audit that we should consider that maybe as not being an expert that we might not consider? Well, if you take some of that a little bit separately, so in EHS, it's often kind of broken down to environment and then health and safety is typically handled together. You do need uh, some common knowledge for those. So on the environmental side, it would depend on whether you are looking at compliance, management systems, or both. So in the EHS world, management systems, uh, the closest I guess analogy I can give you is if you've done operational auditing, so you're looking much more at processes that go on and controls around those processes, but specifically the systems that are in place to help you minimize, eliminate, or deal with some sort of an environmental release or a health and safety accident or incident. So if you're going in and you're doing compliance, then what you would probably want to do is talk to the organization up front about, you know, what, how aware are they of the laws and regulations to which they have to comply? And you want to start at, you know, you're going to have the federal level. If they happen to be international, you could be talking internationally, uh, state, local. And when I talk about local, that you will be surprised at how many places you could find environmental or health and safety related laws and regulations. So the health department. Uh, the local fire department, and sometimes it will be spread out depending on where you are into, you know, some other department that you might never have thought that had anything to do with environment, health, and safety. So that would be one area, and then try and, you know, not try, but 
do a risk assessment around, you know, which of those is, does have the greatest risk. And you need to look at a number of things, you know, having to do with their operations. So how active are they in certain areas? What are they in fact doing? So maybe they do have an air permit, but there's only one source that could be a problem with respect to an air permit. But if they've got water being discharged, there's a whole slew of things where they could become out of compliance. So maybe that's where you take your focus. Now, with um, you, when you get into management systems, then again, you need to do your risk assessment. And the risk assessment would be similar to one you would do in a, a financial audit, but you do have to look more broadly. You do have to consider you know, the, the opportunity for there to be some sort of an accident, an incident, or a discharge in there. And that's when things kind of change. Uh, you need to spend a lot of time out in the field where you're actually working with the, uh, the people doing the, the processes at the time. And you will get into much greater detail than I ever did in, in financial auditing. Hmm. You sometimes, depending on what area you get into, you do need some technical expertise, which unless you get specifically into environment, health and safety, you may not have. And that's when you would, again, need to consider bringing in an expert. So going back to the water example, uh, you might need someone who, you know, is a water expert that they are quite familiar with the water regulations, Clean Water Act, and so forth, and down to the state level uh, in order to do that audit. Another area, though, that you can, or some other areas, would be looking at energy efficiency. And you might not be the one that should actually be doing an evaluation of energy efficiency, but you want to check and see if your client has looked at energy efficiency and waste, you know, are they capturing all of their waste streams and do they know what is considered hazardous waste and how to, to handle that? Or waste reduction, are they recycling everything they can recycle? Okay, and, and I, we're running up against time a little bit and I wanna make sure that we hit ESG also um, from a couple different points. One, if you could help us understand the difference between the two, EHS and ESG, and then it seems like, Julie, I know I reached out to you a couple months ago because someone said, hey, do you know an ESG person that could speak at our uh, IA group? And I said, no, but I'm sure Julie does. And then within the next two days, it just seemed like ESG was all over the place. Even uh, I, I called an old friend of mine I hadn't talked to in a while who's in audit. And I was like, hey, what are you working on? And he's like, I'm doing this. I'm all ESG. And I was like, I just, I just learned what that was like two days ago. Um, and so I'm curious if you, or if you could help us understand the difference and then is ESG, is it this utopian pie in the sky thing or is it, is it real? I heard a, um, a very well-respected risk manager say the other day, something to the effect of historically, it's been about the stakeholders, um, and giving back to the stakeholders and going forward, it's going to be about like giving back to the earth, I think is how we put it. And. It just seemed like, yeah, I don't know, that seems a little a little utopian to me. So could you kind of speak to that? Sure. Uh, first, EHS versus ESG. I have had several people mention to me, and I tend to agree with them, that ESG is more or less rebranding of EHS. Now, there is, I guess, one, I don't know if I would call it a minor difference, but a difference, which is 
clearly there's a direct connection between environment and then the social uh, aspect of it would include the health and safety and it would also include other things beyond that so uh you know child labor and so forth well those like child labor and many of these that would be under social have already been dealt with under typically environmental or sometimes health and safety so they've kind of moved the buckets or the things in the buckets around a little bit and then the G is for governance, but again, that has already been embedded for more than a decade in environment, health, and safety. Um, I think what we have found historically is, though, like the true corporate in the past has often been in a separate department, and so I think they are trying to bring them all in a little closer alignment, but they all interacted regularly anyway. Now, with respect to all of this being utopian, um, I think if you think about it the way that you phrased it, then I would say probably yes. However, in EHS auditing, you know, whenever you go to, they talk about stakeholders, they, I've never actually heard the earth being listed as a stakeholder, but I can tell you, you know, communities hmm. and there's just so many different stakeholders that you wouldn't necessarily have the the same relationship within a financial audit but they've actually been there already so the utopian piece i think might be true from the perspective that we are in the early state of whatever the metrics are going to be about esg but some of them again are takeoffs from metrics that have already existed in ehf Right. What's happening is just a repeat of what we've seen before, which is now there's a number of organizations that are out there developing what they would consider to be uh, the, the proper metrics or what we should be looking at. And when you compare those different regiments, none of them are the same. So the point that we're at right now is it's really difficult to compare apples to apples. It just simply doesn't exist. And companies are, are, you know, there's not like one set of guidelines or standards that's out there right now where there's a majority of companies saying, oh, that's the one. It is spread all over the place. This is new enough, though, that I think within the next few years, you will see that there will be not one preference necessarily, but there will probably be two, three, maybe even four um, of those those guidelines that more companies will be uh putting out there and developing the reports and measuring against rather than a whole bunch of them. Gotcha. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see it play out. It seems like if you guys watch shark tank ever um, there's more and more uh, companies that come there that are, you know, we're fully sustainable or uh, it's organic or naturally grown or um, you know, whatever, whatever it is relative to kind of ESG EHS. And you see, it just seems like a lot more of those these days. And, and then obviously with the, the generation coming up and their focus on that as well, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So I, I have one more uh, question for you, Julie, and, and I'm going to throw Tracy under the bus here. So she named this episode today, which uh, we're calling EHS audits, <laughs> EHS audits, peace of mind or pain in the ass. Um, and so I, I want to ask again, and throwing Tracy under the bus here since she came up with it. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Julie, why are EHS audits considered a pain? I think 
part because a lot of what you're looking at, uh, it's a little difficult. It's not just numbers. You know, you are being asked to evaluate in some areas that, you know, are a little mushy and you do end up talking to people and trying to get viewpoints in many cases, rather than just saying, okay, I've got a column of numbers. And because it adds up to a hundred, that tells me something. Uh, there's also a lot of liability in particularly environmental audits, because if you find something, it needs to be fixed. And if not, you could be in violation of laws and, you know, Unlike OSHA laws where the fines and penalties are minimal, that's not the case in the environmental world. Mm. So there's, you know, there's some big risk uh, out there, not only to the possibility of something happening to the environment, but also big financial risks. So I think oftentimes it is considered kind of a pain primarily because of that. And then this whole evolution, it seems like about every decade or so, you know, there either is something else brought in under that umbrella or we're trying to rebrand it again. And I just want to jump in for a sec, Trent, before you close out, because um, Julie, what I see, you know, if, if I step away from from this topic per se, just just a little bit, when I when I look, I, I look at a lot of audit reports. I assess a lot of reports. I give guidance on audit reports. What I find is not brought up is governance. So I find it really fascinating that all of a sudden we have a topic that has governance. Hmm embedded is one of the main three words in the topic and i wonder what that's going to mean as we go forward and in terms of auditors actually bringing governance issues to the front i think it will be interesting as well uh, i think from purely an ehs standpoint many of those issues were already being brought to the forefront but they were being brought typically again through the management system side and we just didn't out and out say you've got a governance problem here but that is in fact what we were telling the organization so i think that some of that will again go with the the rebrand on the compliance side not so much but on the management side for sure i'm definitely interested to see how it progresses and um you know what the reporting looks like if it looks any different so thank you certainly all right and we are up against the clock i will say if if, if EHS becomes an ESG becomes a topic uh, within your audit department, and I'm assuming ESG will for most of us at some point, it would probably be worth the time. And I, the, I don't think the fee to join the auditing alliance is, is crazy. So uh, even worth the, the fee, um, if nothing else, to sign up and jump in on some of those roundtable discussions. Like I said, I've attended one or, or listened to one and uh, it was really valuable. There's a, there's a lot of expertise in that room. Uh, or in that Zoom room, I guess. And so it, it might even be to benefit to say, okay, we have this thing coming up in a month. Let's sign up now. We'll jump on the round table. We'll ask all our questions after doing our research and then we'll jump out. I mean, I, that's personally what, you know, what I would do um, if, if nothing else at a minimum, I guess that's what I would do. So I'm going to, I'm going to offer that up, Julie, on your behalf. Yes. Okay. Yes, I would definitely encourage people to jump in on those monthly discussions anytime, whether you decide to join the group or not. Um, it really is. And as you said, I hate to tell you how many decades I've been involved in this, and I'm one of the younger ones. <laughs> yeah, I just I just uh, I think it's a brilliant topic and 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 good on you for for um, being such an expert in this field. Thank you. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. This is uh, again, this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We're live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago time. I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. We do have for those listening um, October 21st and 22nd, we have a two day, 15 speakers, all audit, all analytics uh, It's the first and only audit analytics conference that's not hosted by uh, one of the software providers for analytics. And the point is you like every speaker has to give use cases, has to tell thought leadership, um, no demoing your product if you are a vendor. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, be sure to do so. Um, if you're listening to this and it's too late, we already have eight speakers that have volunteered to speak next year. Um, so we'll, we'll plan to do it next year and keep an eye out for that next year. Uh, Tracy, I'll throw it to you. And then Julie, if you have any final words uh, that you would like to close us out on, that'd be great. Um, thanks, Trent. Hey, that those two days sound really great. I hope you put something in the notes for that or put it at, on our posts on LinkedIn so that we can um, share it, make sure the news gets out. I think that's a fascinating topic and it's not going away. It's only going to get better and it's only going to help audit. Um, I want to let everyone know I have um, a, a, another webinar coming up. It's December 9th. The topic is the same. The content will be slightly tweaked. It's how to write short audit reports. The discussion on audit reports just doesn't end on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just determined to tackle this head on and to get everyone some ideas and tools and strategies to write short audit reports. So that's it from me. I'll turn it over to Julie for the last word and say thank you, Julie. Well, thank you. I'm just thrilled to have been here and had the opportunity to talk about EHS and ESG. I do encourage everyone to spend you spend time on my website or elsewhere to get a little bit of familiarity with this. And I think it will help make you a more uh, well-rounded auditor. And Trent, the audit analytics, I know that's also starting to feed into this as well. And audit reports, my goodness, all this is all tied up together. So I look forward to actually both of those events. And thanks again.